everybody, welcome to Stock Bites for Monday, August 24th. Today, I'm joined by John Kearns, a former financial advisor turned energy broker, lifelong investor, and avid golf player. We have some fun, and we're going to play the front nine holes of a new game called Stock Golf. Each hole is represented by a company. We take turns giving our own two cents about whether or not the company is a buy, sell, or hold, and then the response is graded by the other person with either a birdie, par, or bogey. We have a ton of fun with it. You may learn a thing or two about these companies, and you're definitely going to enjoy listening to some of the crazy golf lingo that we throw in. As always, follow us on Twitter at stock underscore bytes. Email us at stockbytespodcast at gmail.com. And make sure that you like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps. All right, let's get it. How are you doing? I'm not doing too bad. How are you? Never been better. That's a that's a real pretty closet you're broadcasting from. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's I couldn't really take up take up a lot of space in the house, so I figured I we, we got a little vanity makeup place back here. So kind of works doubles as a desk. It's not too bad. Yeah, man. And so <laughs> I'm assuming that's where your wife does her makeup when she's getting ready to go out. <laughs> we need to talk about your your shirt's color coordination. You know, it's, it's I, I know you like it. It's pretty like sloppy, it. man. Oh, you know, you blues and reds are all over the place. We need some consistency. <laughs> John, no, I want to throw a. Uh, do you know what a barky is? A barky, I do not. I have a list pulled up, 18birdies.com, of just golf lingo. This is how I was going to try to be a professional golf guy. Okay. Uh, and just some of this shit is hilarious, man. Um, Let's see here. Army golf. You ever heard of that? Uh, yeah. You mean going left, right, left, I right. Got it. All right. There you go. <laughs> what else here? Uh, what about a hosel rocket? Hosel rocket. Hosel rocket. Hosel rocket. Yeah. Yeah. So like club picture, like a club is like that. So there's your, your shaft and your stick. You just hit one right off the hosel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For everybody uh, watching at home, right? They could your, your hands looked really good when you did that. <laughs> well, John, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me here. I'm looking forward to this. Will you do me a favor and just kind of introduce yourself? Uh, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, John Kearns, pleasure to be here. Uh, appreciate you having me. Um, background on myself. So when I first started working in investments, I was with uh, Wells Fargo Advisors, and then I made a move over to Morgan Stanley. Um, since then, have left private wealth management. Um, but I, I've been I've been investing since I was you know, probably, what, eight years old. Uh, my grandparents gave uh, me stocks as gifts, as opposed to uh, toys. Uh, my first, first stock I ever owned was Tootsie Roll, um, and, and my grandmother and grandfather gave it to me and, and that's, that's really how I got into it. So then all of a sudden I was, instead of, uh, instead of, you know, going play out in the yard or, or play with toys or doing whatever, I was, I was figuring out what the heck it meant to own Tootsie Roll. Um, and then I would even, even go into, um, you know, show and tell and be like, oh, well, yeah, I'm an owner of Tootsie Roll as if I knew what that meant. Um, at the time of seven or eight years old, but but that's really how I got into it. it. It was kind of family vocation. My dad's done it for a long time, um, and I just was, was did you get the to actual? Be, sorry to interrupt. Did you get the actual stock certificate for Tootsie Roll? Oh yeah, way back when. 
I mean, this, this was this was in the early 90s. Up. Yeah, this was in the early 90s when they actually still handed out stock certificates when you became an owner. So, <laughs> dude, that's killer. Yeah. Well, awesome, man. I, I'm happy that you're joining us today. You're a golfer. I'm not. I've played. I've played 36 holes in my life, total. Yeah. And uh, so two separate rounds of 18, and each time I right about. The second shot on the first hole, I go, what the fuck am I doing out here? This is going to be awful. Why did I say yes to this? <laughs> you know, I'm so competitive, man, and it's such a fucking hard game. Um, yeah, But I think I like sports, you like sports, and I think that a cool way to kind of approach uh, stocks and have some fun is to play some games and kind of, you know, these hacky sports radio games. So I figured we'd try to play some stock golf today. And I think what we're going to do, and you correct me if I'm wrong, uh, there's one stock per hole. And, you know, I'll, I'll lead off first. And, you know, for my first stock is going to be Ford. And I'm going to give you my thoughts about the company and whether or not it should be a piece of your portfolio or not, and what the growth prospects are. And then you are going to give me a grade, you know, a, a, a platypus, which is something that I learned today, uh, you know, a birdie, a par, or a... Or a, a bogey, right? Mm-hmm. And just kind of based on whether or not I've, you know, how how convincing is my is, is the reasoning behind why I want to buy this company? It, 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 a platypus in golf. I've actually never heard that term. Is that a uh, is that an albatross? Hang on, let me get uh, a platypus hitting a ball out of bounds and still making par. <laughs> okay, you know what? That's a new one. I've never heard Easy of that stuff. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's actually pretty good. You ever heard of a worm burner? Worm burner, yes. <laughs> I do. And, and, you know, it's, it's actually kind of funny. You're sitting there talking about how you've played 36 holes in your lifetime. I've literally played 36 holes in the last two days. Um, but I always tell anybody who wants to get into golf, there's two things in life you don't have to be good at to enjoy. And the first one is golf. I'll let, uh, I'll let your imagination take you to the second one. Is that true? You do, yeah, you do not have to be good at it to enjoy it. I mean, it's outside with your boys, um, drinking a few beers, just kind of hitting the rock around, um, even for, you know, the older people. You know, you, I love playing with my wife. My wife isn't, you know, that good, but she just enjoys being in the outdoors. Um, not only that, when you get to travel around to places, um, it's really fun to, to play local golf courses in different cities and different locations, and you just got to get to see the terrain of, of where you are. I, I love it. I, I think there's nothing better than both a sunrise and a sunset on the golf course. Did you play? Yeah. How old were you when you started playing and what other sports did you play growing up? So I was probably about nine years old. Um, an interesting story. Um, I'm actually naturally left-handed, um, play baseball, swing a bat left-handed, uh, but I play golf right-handed because the only access I had was to right-handed clubs. And, and this little range I used to I learned how to play golf at, the only place you could um, play at the time, um, they only had right-handed clubs. So that's, that's how I picked up the game. And just if I wanted to swing, I had to swing right-handed. Um, I mean, other sports, yeah, I played football, basketball, baseball, soccer, um, you name it, growing up. Yeah. Um, but uh, just there's something about being out on the golf course that I love and, and the competitive nature of it. And, I mean, you, you can't you can't really ever win. You're always competing against yourself. Um, so many just uh, uh, 
uh, lifelong lessons can be learned from the game of golf, in my opinion. And, and, and there are a lot of corollaries to investing, um, the patience, um, the determination, um, uh, the, you know, the, to be able to have the, uh, the integrity to do the right thing. Um, uh, I think, and, 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 uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Swing um, oil. <laughs> yeah. Always want to have some swing oil for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's hanging with your boys, having a good time. You know, I think for me, I'm I'm so damn competitive and I'm so awful at, at golf that the it's really just an exercise in mental fortitude. Yeah, you know, and absolutely. And not, you know, not fucking walking off the course two holes in because I've hit nine bad shots in a row. Yeah. yeah. Johnny, let's get to it. I'm going to lead us off here, uh, and my first stock is Ford. So this is our, our first hole. This is a par three, um, uh, also known as a sandbagger. And I, I promise I'll, I'll stop throwing in these terms at some point today, as soon as I'm done with them, or as soon as I get bored with them. But Ford closed, uh, closed the week at $6.66 a share. I've talked about Ford in the past. Um, they are the second largest automaker in the United States. They have a 13% market share here. And in 2019, they sold 5.4 million vehicles to retail dealerships across the globe. So they're in basically every continent except Antarctica. Uh, that doesn't even take into account their fleet sales. They only have a 2.2% market share in China which I'll touch on in a second. I think there's a couple of reasons to really be excited about Ford. They have something called the Ford, Ford Smart Mobility Division, which is basically set up to run like a, like a like an independent kind of startup with within the larger framework of Ford. And they're working on autonomous vehicles. They're working on uh, you know, these they have a partnership with Volkswagen. They're working on uh, you know, this Argo AI, this intelligence stuff. But this year, Ford is going to have the largest test fleet of autonomous vehicles of any automaker. They're going to be the first to test autonomous vehicles in the snow. They're tripling their engineering investment in driver assist and semi-autonomous vehicles during the next five years. They've had a really tough five or so years. I think they're they're down about 40%. 30, 40% of the last five years, which is part of the reason that I like them. You know, I think they got down to about four bucks in March and they're up, you know, they've kind of been range bound in between six and $7 since then. But this, and it's because of the, the coronavirus, right? They've, they've lost a bunch of money this year. Their supply chains have been interrupted, uh, but they've still sold up until June. They've still sold almost a million vehicles in North America alone. They still have the number one selling truck in the country. Uh, and they have a couple of exciting product launches that are coming out. You got the the new Bronco, which they're bringing back next year. Uh, early reservations already all sold out. If they sell 150,000 Ford Broncos, that's going to add a billion dollars in revenue to the company. They're also launching a electric Ford Mustang next year. They're going to launch a uh, hybrid Ford F-150, and I think in 2022 they're going to launch an all all electric Ford F-150. So year-to-date, Ford's down 21, 24%. If you compare that, compare that to the domestic automotive industry, which is up 80%, it doesn't make sense. 
it's not like COVID sought out Ford and left, you know, Toyota and Hyundai and the rest of these people alone. This is, this is affecting all automakers evenly. So I think that they're incredibly undervalued right now. I think there's some catalysts that are going to lift their stock price in the future. And in, in, in 2018, they committed to uh, restructuring where they're going to, they, they know that the future is in electric and autonomous vehicles, and they've been dumping billions of dollars into doing research and launching these products. As far as China goes, they plan to have 30 either hybrid or electric vehicles in China in the next couple of years, which is going to be huge. It's the, obviously it's the largest population on the, on the planet. And uh, we've talked about this before as well. There's a, a big push right now uh, from the Chinese government to get everybody into electric vehicles to reduce air pollution. So once, the, once Ford can bring those over there, uh, you know, launch the, the Mustang, launch the Ford F-150 and these other, I think they're going to have something like 20 or 30 hybrids and, and fully electric vehicles. I think there's a, a lot of catalysts here uh, and, and they're undervalued. Like, they're really undervalued compared to the rest of the, uh, of the industry. I think some, some of the things that you might be worried about, there's a ton of competition. You know, what happens if, if COVID comes back and factory productions get halted again? And like in the second quarter of this year, they had negative free cash flow of $5.3 billion. That's not very good, but I think they'll survive. They're, you know, they're the, they're the best selling truck here. Anyway, for those reasons, I would rate Ford a buy. I, I think one of the, I mean, and, and to, to give you a score on your breakdown, I mean, uh, I mean, first hole, I'm going to go par. I'm going to give you a par for it. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, the the biggest thing I think you have going for you um, in buying Ford and it's, it's exercising, I guess the basic principle strategy that every investor should have. And that's buy low. Um, Your, your entry point price at $6 um, say what well, it closed, what, 666, I think you yeah. said, um, that, that entry point for that, that price point is a phenomenal price point. Um, it, it is an all American company. Um, and, and so that, that's, that's your biggest upside. I think for every reason that you also, you outlined, um, of why you think it's a buy, I think those are solid points. Um, I think one of the bigger obstacles um in, in getting into china too is is what is the geopolitical state going to look like um I, I think those are those are factors that are completely unknown um and and how either both china and the united states relations are are, are working with each other um so that's going to be a big risk but i also think that both despite everything going on china and the united states want to work together um and so i think there's giant upside into oh, the Chinese marketplace for American companies. There's so um, much money tied up in, in, in us working together. Yeah, every absolutely. Every major corporation here yeah. wants to have a place over there and yeah. vice versa. So, and, and I mean, I mean, you know, and I, I wouldn't want to ever get into to politics or anything like that, but, but both these countries want to work together despite what, 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 you know, we see on the news and, and, and they're very, very, very intertwined. So I, I think that is giant upside. Um, 
And, and I like I like the points that you made. Um, you know, they're 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 being innovative, and that's that's a, a key time to invest in a company is when they are being innovative. They've been down for a few years. They have a great price entry point, um, and and you know, looking at six dollars if it if it jumps back up to you know the five year high of fifteen, then you're tripling your money almost. So I uh, you know I'm, I'm just for just for sake of starting the round a little slow on the first hole, you know, not make sure we don't push it too far. I'm giving your, your breakdown, your breakdown was solid. I give you a birdie on the breakdown. I give you a par on the stock pick though. You're really, uh, you're really laying the sod. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They're just as a final note, they're trading at 0.22 times forward earnings, forward sales, excuse me. Uh, let me make sure I got that right. Where did that number go? Uh, so they sold, they've sold 946,000 vehicles through June of this year. It's a 23% drop from last year, but that's 900, basically 900,000 more vehicles than Tesla has sold. And they're currently trading at 0.22 times forward 12 month sales compared to 14 for Tesla. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah, 0.22 is very low. Uh, I, you know, I, I mean, we will probably come back and, and, you know, review the scorecard down the road and, and that, that par might look a lot better. All right. Well, John, you're up. On, to hole, number, on to hole number two. So uh, quick, just quick, quick also before I go into, you know, what I'll be breaking down. Um, you, you made a very poignant call or uh, poignant statement on one of our calls that, I try to drive home to every single one of my clients, my used to be clients. And when anybody ever talks to me about, about investing, you invest, stick to what you know. Um, and that's what I do. Buy what you know, buy what you use. Um, I, I'd never met anybody who would sit here and, and say that, or tell them if, if you can't understand what you're investing in, then you should not be investing in it. Um, but anyway, so bringing on to the second hole, um, Amazon. Amazon and, and my comparison to Amazon is is like the 18th hole at Pebble, uh, par five, um, iconic hole. Any golfer who ever ever uh, plays golf, watches golf, wants to visit golf destinations, you got to go visit uh, Pebble Beach. Um, you got to play Pebble Beach and, and play the 18th hole right there on the Pacific. Um, just like any investor who wants to have uh, a good stability in their portfolio, you got to have Amazon. Um, uh, the, the growth of Amazon has been just unbelievable over the last few years, um, and I don't see that going anywhere. Um, you, you see just the e-commerce just remains one of the most, the, the highest um, grossing industries in the country right now. Um, and especially during COVID, where who knows what the world is going to look like, everything is becoming more... Um, it's becoming, you're looking for ease. You're looking for, for technology to help you, help you streamline all processes. Um, and anybody who has an Amazon Prime membership knows this, or a family who has an Amazon Prime membership knows this. I get probably six Amazon emails a week alone just from my wife ordering stuff off Amazon. Um, that, that's, that's reason enough to invest in it right there, because if we're going to be spending money on Amazon, I want to own what I'm spending money on. Um, they're, they're just adding record high margin dollar growth. Um, 
Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they have a market cap of $1.5 trillion. Um, I know the stock price at, you know, just over what, 3,200. Um, I think that's what it closed at uh, last few days. Yeah. It's, a, it's an extremely high stock price and I understand that, but I think you're going to see this at some point. I think it might split, uh, make it more affordable for, for smaller investors. Um, they're, they're, acquisitions of fulfillment centers they're continuing to take over that space i just i see i see amazon as as, as a must own for for every single every single portfolio in my opinion you, you could sit there and you could look at it as both a value and a growth play well john i think you stiffed it <laughs> i think that was a ted kennedy what's what's the ted kennedy Way to the left. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, like a Barack Obama. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. So I think oh. that, so you, you touched on e-commerce. That's the least exciting part of Amazon for me. Okay. I think it's probably their lowest margin chunk of their business. I was reading a, a, an article on Seeking Alpha this week. Amazon is creating these chips same thing that AMD and NVIDIA are doing, Amazon's doing it. Mm -hmm. Amazon has the dominant cloud platform, in the, it, certainly in the country, maybe in the world, with it, uh, Amazon Web Services, which is, I think, something like 40 to 45% of the revenue. Uh, no, maybe I take that back. It's like four, they have 40 to 45% market share, and then Microsoft's cloud is second with like 20. Um, <laughs> How do you feel about regulatory risk with them? In what way? Are you talking about they, mainly they like in, in international sales and and becoming a monopoly monopoly? Right. Um, I mean, I, I, any chance that the Congress goes, "Hey, guys, you're you're too you're too big." You know, if you have a, a, a third-party vendor come onto your platform and start selling something, they have to turn over the plans. The same shit that China does when you want to get into that into their country, mm -hmm. you got to turn over how you make the sausage to their government. Amazon, you got to do the same thing to Amazon if you want to sell on their platform. And then they go out and create the same product with from their own manufacturing plants, and they undercut you. Um, they're in they're in just about every sort of industry you can imagine and, yep. and you know with 5g coming it's it's going to continue you know is there any chance yeah that I, Congress goes, I, I, too big? I would never i would never say never on anything um i think that would be a it would be a big move um it's happened happened before i want to i want to say that's happened before back in the airline industry back in the seventies, I would have to go do more yeah, research on that too. Happened to railroads. Uh, it happened to the, the big phone companies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, that, that, that is a very intriguing question. That would have to be something I would, I would want to go do far more research on before, before lending an opinion. I, I mean, I would tend to say, I don't see that happening here in the next five years. How about that? Um, yeah. if they did grow so big and, and their, you could say their roots started spreading much further, um, 
yeah, could it happen? Uh, I, I, 10 years out, maybe, um, that they be just become so big and so powerful that the United States government has to step in and, and, and do something um, and, and stop the, the rapid growth train. But I would even say from that standpoint, that's even more of a reason you want to be invested in. Um, if, if we think that's the path that it's going on, um, that it continues to grow that much, that, that I think I think you want to be a part of that growth. Um, that's going to be that's going to be a lot of growth um, for that stock price to keep going up if that's the case. Um, and then you want to see you want to see those assets divested um, till much much later down the road. So yeah. that that would be my opinion on it. Yeah, there's a there's just a lot to love about this company, and even at thirty two hundred bucks, just buy it. Yeah, I've, yeah, I'm of the opinion that if you if you buy, you know, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Apple, Facebook, Microsoft, you just doesn't matter what the price is. When you come back in five years, they're going to be worth more, and, and yeah. you just you just buy it and you never sell it. Yeah, never ever ever sell these companies. And yeah, just buy it. so. John, uh, I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a bogey there. All right, Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give you a six on your uh, on your par five. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna come out swinging. Okay, okay. I, I hooked one left into the water. I'm one and two out, hitting three. Uh, couldn't get couldn't get it up and down for a par, and I had to tap in for bogey. Yeah, yeah, the old Rush Limbaugh. No, 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 it was the old Lorena Bobbitt. Lorena Bobbitt. What 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 what, what is that? I, I've <laughs> You got a lot of these on there. I mean, I, I can tell you all the golf sayings in the world. I know I know a lot of them, but I haven't heard the Lorena Bobbitt. The Lorena Bobbitt, a really bad slice. It Ooh, makes the okay. fellas cringe just thinking about it. <laughs> all right, so uh, hole number three, uh, I'm going to tee off here with Peloton. A phenomenal company. I love, phenomenal this, company. I love this company, man. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just basically went and put, you know, try to do like a T chart. Yes and no. Things to like, things that you don't like. And the, I had to stop putting stuff on the yes side. Yeah. Uh, because of this, we could have just done this forever. But it closed Friday at $69.35. Year to date, it's up 144%. Uh, they're expected earnings per share. They're not going to be profitable this year or next year. They're expected to have uh, earnings per share negative 45 cents this year, negative 10 cents the following year and then profitability coming in 2022. Okay. COVID has accelerated Peloton in a huge, huge way. Uh, and just, just like the fitness industry as a whole grew, has grown at a, a compound adjust co compound annual growth rate, a CAGR over the last 15 years of 5%. It even grew. It was a, positive in 2008 and 2009 during the great financial crisis. So they're operating in a, not recession proof, but recession resistant industry. And then they've pioneered something, you know, like you have the software as a surface, they're pioneering fitness as a surface. They're adding 950 classes every month. They have thousands of available things on demand. Uh, they're as much of a tech company as they are a fitness company. Uh, of the people that sign up, 93% of them stay for over a year, so they have a low churn. And it's it's kind of like this, I, I don't know what the, the name of the, the thing is, but it's like a 
this, you know, like a circle where one thing leads to the next and it just kind of, it just keeps going round and round. They have this awesome product. Chicken and the egg. Exactly. Right. Or, you know, so, so anyway, let, let, let me, let me get back on track here. Um, word of mouth accounted for 49% of Peloton's buyers this year. That's up from 23% in 2017. That's kind of what it, it's like the self-reinforcing circle. If you buy a Peloton, guess what you're going to do? You're going to go tell everybody who you fucking know that you bought a Peloton, you know, and you're kicking ass and you're on the leaderboard and, and all this shit, right? Their fastest growing segment is people who are under 35 years old and who make less than 100K a year, which surprised me. I thought that this was a, you know, I thought you had to be, well, hey, look, it's a $2,400 exercise bike. Who can afford that? Well, guess I think, what? I think you, you, can, you can also uh, finance it. Correct. It's 58 bucks a month. Yeah. 0% APR. Cheaper than most gym memberships. Uh, this is, the data subscription is 39 bucks a month. So total, all, your all-in costs $97 a month. If you and your wife go get a membership at LA Fitness, you're going to be paying the same amount. and If not more. If not more, correct. Yeah. And, you know, it's fucking disgusting at these gyms. I think that uh, I read somewhere that barbells have more germs on them than toilet seats in, in a COVID era. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, look, you, you, you can do it at, at your house in your own, at, whenever you want, you don't have to worry about anybody else. You know, this guy's on the bench, so I can't work out. Um, the average, the average customer does 17.7 workouts per month. They are plugged in. They're not just buying this thing and, and hanging clothes off of it like yeah. people used to do with treadmills. So they have the, the bike, they have a treadmill, they have a, an app. You don't even need any of those things. Like they have a fitness app that you can subscribe to for, I don't know, it's 15 bucks a month and they do body weight exercise and stuff like that. Since 2017, their subscriptions have grown at a 113% compound annual growth rate and their revenue has grown at a 99% compound annual growth rate over the last three years. And you got health and population trends behind them. The population is still growing. Health trends are becoming more and more relevant. Um, I don't know what if it falls into like social media where everybody wants to look good or we're just more aware than ever of what's going into our food. But people want to be healthy. And this is a way better way to do it than going to a gym. On the no side, there are several competitors. You can go out and just you know ride a bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a week ago, Apple announced a new virtual fitness app that theoretically could compete with Peloton's digital-only subscription. But Peloton's digital-only app only accounted for 1% of the total revenue of the company. It's not going to have a huge impact. And Apple's fitness app is going to have – there's no bike, there's no treadmill, and the content's going to be years behind. Uh, Lululemon recently purchased Mirror, which is like that. Have you seen that? It's like a futuristic yeah. thing. You hang yeah. on the wall and – you put it on the wall and you're sitting yeah. there having your, your own personal trainer and stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. I've seen bad. that. And, and, and it just a funny story too, about, about Peloton too. I, I used to kind of think of like sitting there going, I mean, how many times have we seen these fitness phenomenons come on and, and you, you think it's like this craze? I mean, how am I going to invest in Bowflex? You know, uh, how, how, why am I going to put investments in um, treadmills? Uh, but then I was actually at, at one of my buddies' houses one time, um, and, and two people come up and they're talking about how they just purchased Pelotons, and um, they were. This was like back in May, 
and they couldn't get them delivered because Peloton could not produce these fast enough yeah. until July. Yeah. I mean, they were so back ordered. They were so over ordered. I mean, that to me, I, I'm when I'm when I'm investing in things too. I, I like to break it down to simplicity. Um, I mean, you know, when there's a demand for something, that's that's when you're going to see these companies pop. And and, and there's such demand for for this interactive exercise. Every single every single like tons of people I know sit there and say, yeah, my morning routine is I get up, I go sit on Peloton, I listen to a podcast and and I have a 35 minute workout or, or whatever it is. Um, I mean, I've personally, I've never used a Peloton, but literally in July um, when I was at that party and, and they were like, they were like, oh yeah, uh, or May, sorry. And, and when I was at that party in May and they were like, yeah, uh, we, we ordered them and they're back ordered to July. Literally that Monday morning, I woke up and I bought Peloton stock. You've done well since then. I think. Yeah. So like by what you know, what you understand, it's exercise. Yep. And yeah. It's, it's healthy living. And it, it, they've created the same way that like uh, uh, CrossFit and veganism, and, and, you know, there's like these, these kind of trends take hold. And if you do them, you're going to tell everybody about them. I think this is more mainstream than either of those. And so buy what you know. And then also, you know, you don't want to be baseball. Don't, don't buy shit that, you know, that that's targeting baby boomers that are all going to die off eventually. And who's yeah. the audience, right? You want to buy stuff that young people use. Well, and not only that Peloton reaches across generations though, too. I mean, not, not to, you know, call, um, my, so it's, it's a brother-in-law of mine, not to call him old. Um, he's definitely not a baby boomer, but I mean, he's in his late forties. And this guy, this guy loves his Peloton so much. Um, and people, people are addicted to the community in Peloton. Yeah. He even got gifted one time by, by my, my stepsister, um, the ability to go into one of the recording studios when they're actually recording the classes that people then take. Um, and I mean, he thought it was the greatest thing in the world, but I mean, it's just people who use these, they come back, they keep using it. And it's, it's similar. I mean, you, you're, you're getting the similar um, effect to what we've seen, you know, with Netflix, with, with these other subscriber services. Um, and, and not only, huh? Amazon, Netflix, Tesla, these things that are, that come in and disrupt industries. Yeah. Peloton's the same way for fitness. Yeah. And not only that, I mean, they're, I would, I would, venture a guess on this that they're probably raising a ton of cash too to keep being innovative in the space i didn't read that they had actually issued any debt or equity this year they're projecting they're going to have revenue this year of like one and a half billion dollars uh, well i mean that's that's generating enough capital right there <laughs> yeah yeah anyway that's that's my pitch on peloton how do you how do you score me um, I, I give you, I give you a birdie on that one. Um, I like, I like, I like your points about it. Um, I love the stock. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the price point at $69 is still a buy. Um, it's, it's again, just one of those, it's one of those stocks that you just, you're going to buy and hold, you're going to buy and hold it. Um, I don't, I don't foresee, I don't foresee that stock doing anything but good things, um, in the foreseeable future. There is the one, you know, people do say it's overvalued. They're trading at seven to eight times 
uh, price to trailing 12 month sales. But again, if you compare that to other disruptors, Netflix is trading at over nine times price to 12 month sales and Tesla's at 14. Yeah. You know, and, 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 a, and a comment too about my style of investing is that I don't, I don't put a lot of stock in what someone else is going to break down because of their analytics to say what's valued and undervalued or overvalued. Um, I simply, I look at the marketplace as a whole about, do I believe in this company and what they're doing and the product they're making and what they're selling? Yeah. That's, that's my biggest thing. If, if I truly believe in what they're doing and I think they're doing a good job of it, they have strong management, strong leadership, um, and they're going to continue to do it. I mean, I mean, who, what, in my opinion, what's an analyst, what's one analyst to, you know, his opinion is more than another analyst who, who sees it differently. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, anybody can take statistics and numbers and skew them to, to make the point they want. Um, but, but I, I look at Peloton and I, I just, again, like I said, I, I like, really like what they're doing in the space. And, and I think it's a, it's a very good stock to own right now. All right. Yes, sir. Hole number four. Hole number four. Hole number four. We're uh, we're taking to the um, somewhat, somewhat taking to the skies. Um, Very underrated company. Um, And and I'm going to I'm going to equate and make an analogy to underrated par fours in in the world. Um, And in this one, I, I think a lot of the time, you know, some of the sexier holes at golf courses are, are very unique par threes or, or really awesome par fives. And sometimes the par, four, par fours just get, get forgotten about. Um, and one of the most iconic par fours is the 11th at Augusta. Um, just right there starting into Amen Corner. Um, when you think of Amen Corner, you really always think of 12 and 13. No one really ever, ever talks about 11. Um, 11 requires, you know, really – Two, um, being able to work the work the ball both ways, you got to be able to work a fade off the tee box and then a draw onto the green. Um, just just a very iconic iconic hole, um, and an underrated underrated hole. And I think a very underrated company right now is Boeing. Um, when 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 I'm looking to invest in the airlines business. Um, I read a quote from uh, Warren Buffett years ago that, that he did a breakdown of, of investing in airline stocks and, and over like a 50-year period. Uh, by the end of that 50-year period, he, he never never would have gained any value from them. Um, and that, that, that really hit home to me in the sense that, okay, if you're going to invest in this industry, let's go to the source. Um, let's go to Boeing. Um, I think what you're seeing at a Boeing right now, I mean, it's, it's priced at $166. Uh, it, it's been priced at double that um, in the past, what, four or five years. Um, I, I think till Boeing they, is up. Until they started killing people, they were up over 400 a share. <laughs> well, okay. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's another, another, what we're talking about when we were talking about Ford, we're buying a company when it's down. I mean, the two biggest, uh, questions facing Boeing right now is how is the 737 MAX going to air or going to rebound and how long is commercial aviation going to remain decreased due to COVID-19? Um, and those are two giant questions. Um, but I think that one thing I do know is that, I mean, as, as we're talking about, technology is getting better. 
Um, and, and one thing they're able to do is they are building these airplanes that, that are now have improved technology. Um, they can now sell them to low cost carriers. They can operate on flight paths that were pre previously unprofitable for these airlines. Now they are made possible because of the technology that is going into making these planes more fuel efficient, just, just more cost effective. Um, that's, that's a big space in my opinion. Um, the other thing too is, is if you're going to sit here and look at this company as a long-term hold, the planes that these airlines buy, they have expiration dates on. Um, I mean, once, once a plane has, you know, call it 300,000 uh, hours on it, I mean, that plane gets decommissioned due to regulations. Um, and and 300,000, I'm pretty sure that's the number. Um, don't quote me on it. I'm pretty positive that's the number. But I mean, flight regulators are only going to get more stringent on that, which means they're going to have to then replace and have newer planes, um, which then they're going to go to a, a, an aerospace company like Boeing, and they're going to put more orders in for planes. Um, not only that, I don't see the population of the planet decreasing. Um, worldwide travel all over the planet's only going to increase. I know, you know, right now we're at a stall with a pandemic, but once that pandemic falls, you will see it, um, see it pick back up. Uh, and, and you're always going to have these airline companies um, going to Boeing and putting in plane orders. Um, and at $166, I think you're, you're buying that extremely, extremely low. Um, and once you see the rebound effect when, when 737 MAX gets um, recertified, you will see lots of, lots of orders for that plane. Um, and I'll also make another correlation, another analogy. You look at Chipotle. I mean, Chipotle from the Ebola scare. All of a sudden, I think Chipotle before Ebola was trading around $750. All of a sudden, they have this giant Ebola outbreak within their, their company within their stores, it drops to like $300. And then next thing you know, within the next four years, and it's now like $1,200 a share. Um, and all because of, of this Ebola scare. And I would, I'm not going to sit there and equate plane crashes to, you know, I don't even know if there were any Ebola deaths um, from the, the Chipotle stuff, but I, I just, I, I love, I love Boeing as, as, as a buy at 166 bucks. I think within the next year, you see it back over 260. Um, I think in the next four years, five years, you'll see it back over 400. Is the same guy or, or, or are the same people still in charge or have they made some changes to management? That actually is a good question. I don't know the answer to that. I would have to go find that out. Um, that actually would be, say what? Before you buy, like, when when these 737 maxes kept going down, there was this story like, you know, engineers were coming out of the woodworks and saying that we were pressured. You know, we skipped on these safety regulations because it would cost too much. And the, and the culture of Boeing was all about increasing profitability and not about the product and, and about, mm -hmm. you know, the lives that they're taking into their hands. So we're really interested to know if like, this guy had to, whoever was running the show had to get fired. But. What kind of changes have they made to their company culture, their corporate culture? Uh, I think would be an important thing to understand before getting into this. I, I think that's chronic? that's actually I'd say that's a phenomenal question. That would um, I, I don't know the answer to that off the top of my head. I would I would have to go look that up. But 
I think that's those are those are two very valid points um, because those concerns, you know, you, you keep that type of leadership in charge and history is doomed to repeat itself. Um, so I'd actually I would have to to go and and verify and see if, if there were any changes made at the top. I, I don't want to make a comment on it, not knowing the answer to that. Well, sir, you're a real sandbagger. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and give you a par. I'll give you. A you know, you know. So, so you calling me a sandbagger uh, means that I am a sandbagger. Would be someone who shows up and says they're a ten handicap, but really they're a five. So they're a lot better than they say they are. Right. So I'm. 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 It's a I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna take it as a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> All right, moving on to the fifth hole here. This is typically about the time where I'm like breaking out the whiskey or whatever the whatever I brought with me just to try to get through the rest of the fucking day. And well, uh, well you you know you know why golf is 18 holes, right? So the guy who invented golf, um, he said that there's 18 shots and a fifth of liquor, fifth of whiskey, and and if you can finish one per hole, wow, and. 18 holes seems seems spot on. All right. That dog will hunt, John. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, fifth hole here. We got Disney. Close Friday, 127 share. Uh, I, I'm a, I fucking love this company. They're, they control everything. And, you know, they've been, they've certainly been one of the harder hit companies by COVID with all their parks getting shut down and their movies having to get pushed back and uh, the cruise lines, you know, the cruise is being canceled, but we think that'll pass. Right. And I think on the, they've, they've still managed to grow. Anyway, here's some of the things that I'm excited about Disney plus upcoming launches, this year in the Nordics, Belgium, Luxembourg, Portugal, Indonesia, and Latin America. They just launched in India, France, and Japan. By the year end, Disney Plus is going to be available in nine of the top 10 economies in the world. As of August 3rd, they had over 60 million paying subscribers. And they also have awesome content like Apple TV. It sucks. The, the content there, you know, the the first thing that's gotten me interested in Apple TV has been this Ted Lasso, this new show that they brought out with uh, Jason Sudeikis. But for the, for the most part, the content hasn't been good. If you have the content, which Disney does, that, that's really like the, the main thing about having a streaming service. And, you know, COVID shuts down theaters. Well, guess what? We can release Mulan on pay-per-view on Disney Plus for 30 bucks. Boom. You know, Artemis Fowl, awesome. The Mandalorian, awesome. You know, they're putting out great original content. Last year, they had $69 billion in revenue, and they have, I think, four main revenue sleeves. They got media, which they basically own all of broadcast television. They own a ton of cable TV networks, radio networks, publishing, digital. They recently bought Fox's television assets. That's 350 channels over 170 countries. They have studio entertainment. Movies, right? Walt Disney, Touchstone, Pixar, Marvel, and Lucasfilms. Here's a question for you, John. Of the top 10 grossing films in 2019, how many of them were from Disney? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, 
2019. Well, I mean, we had in game. That's got to be the that's got to be the highest grossing one. Um, Two point seven, two point eight billion, something like that. Captain Marvel came out in 2019 too, which is going to be another Marvel. Um, I'm guessing. I, w- I would I would probably say six of them or Disney. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. There you go. Okay. Yeah, the half comes from that Spider Man Far From Home, which yeah. they had to have some sort of deal with Sony to get that yeah. out. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the backstory on that is uh, so they had to buy, Marvel had to buy the rights to Spider Man from Sony. Um, and then they had to split the profits on them. And, and then they almost sold the rights back. Um, Sony was was saying, no, we're not going to let you have Spider-Man anymore. Um, and Marvel fans really put their arms up. And I mean, this 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 is the power of of a brand like Marvel, which is owned by Disney and, and their fans, is that they became so upset about it that they then called off and said, no, OK, we're not going to take Spider-Man away from the Marvel and Disney franchise. Yeah. And Tom Holland, legit. Great actor. He's Phenomenal the best actor. Spider-Man. He shits yeah. all over Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Of the nine movies in 2019 that grossed over $1 billion, seven and a half were from Disney. The other two were The Joker, uh, which was weird. And Yeah, I, I, I actually, about that, I couldn't get through that one. I was so uncomfortable. Um, I heard people loved it. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, like, it was giving me anxiety. I was on a plane watching it, um, and I had, to, I had to break away from that one. I'll eventually go back and watch it. Joaquin Phoenix is a phenomenal yeah. actor, but yeah. I, that was, it was giving me too much anxiety on a flight. And I was like, ah, I got to bail on this one. Yeah. Jumanji, uh, Jumanji's rounds. So Avengers Endgame, The Lion King, Frozen 2, Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Star Wars, Toy Story 4, and Aladdin. And then the other two uh, were Jumanji and Spider-Man. Or, excuse me, Jumanji and, uh, and, and the Joker. They, uh, all right, so they crush movies. They have they own all the sports. In the, in the background right now, I got uh, the Clippers NBA playoffs on, on ABC. Uh, and, and look, their parks and entertainment, their parks and cruises are facing the brunt of COVID. But the NBA is back. They're playing at the Wide World of Sports, which is a Disney property in Orlando. That's got to help. Uh, having sports back is it's going to be great for you know the the second half of the year's advertising revenue. ESPN Plus, they own all of Hulu, Disney Plus. You know, they have their hands in so many different cookie jars here. And I don't like my wife and I went to Disney a couple of years ago. uh, And I have never been more impressed by a company's ability to take money out of my pocket without me even noticing. (laughs) It was it was incredible how much money I could have spent. And, And look, if I had had kids when I went there. Yeah, and they're you know, hey, daddy, daddy, come look at it, come buy me this. It it would have been a totally a much more expensive trip, but mm-hmm. um, they're, they're going to be okay. They're at one twenty nine a share, one twenty seven a share. I think they were up for the the pandemic around one fifty. I think they should be way higher than that. I think I think because they're so big, um, conglomerates get a discount just because they have their hands in so many mm-hmm. cookie jars. The investors are going well. If an individual company just ran all of, you know, the, the theme parks, they'd be able to allocate capital more efficiently because that's what they are. That's what they specialize in. Whereas a conglomerate, you know, that there's there's worries that the capital is not being allocated in the in the most efficient way. But um, these guys are just a powerhouse, and 
I'm buying. Like, as soon as I got back from from going to Disney World as an adult and seeing how just how, how crowded it was, how many different brands they had, you know, I, I, I went and bought the stock. So, yeah, you're, you're not going to find any disagreement from me on that one. Um, I've owned Disney for years. Um, it, it's I, I would put it in golf terms. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll we'll say this and in this. I'll give you your score on it, too. I'll say, I'll say your, your breakdown of it. I'll, I'll give you a birdie. The stock, I'll call it a par because a par is not sexy. You know, you're, you're not you're not really going and bragging to your buddies about, dude, I made this par. Um, and that's, you're not going to really ever brag about owning Disney. You're not ever going to, you know, write home about owning Disney. It's just going to be one of these staples in your portfolio that will continue to pay dividends. It will continue to, for the most part, I mean, all stocks are cyclical, so I'm not going to sit there and say it's going to always go up, but I think the outlook of the company for all the reasons you said, all their assets, um, all their, their, the, hands that they have um that their hands that they're playing call it i i see it continuing to rise continuing to be um prosperous and and i see the stock continuing to go on that trend um and not only that i mean it's what it, it dropped it dropped barely below a hundred dollars during the covid stuff um, that was a golden time to buy it. Um, I think, yeah. you know, you look at 128, um, it, it might be on the. Still a good time. Still a good time. Um, so it, it's what it's trailing. Trailing average is like what? 111. Um, so it, it's, it's not like it's really overpriced over its trailing average. Um, I, I think it's a phenomenal buy. Buy, hold and, and just enjoy the, the fruits of it. Yeah. It's a real bug hugger. <laughs> I'm running out of sh- I'm running out of shit I, here. You know, I, I, can't, mean, can't tell. I mean, so what's a bug hugger? By the way, I can't wait to use these on the course. <laughs> also known as a snake raker. A snake raker. Or a I don't know that burner. one either. Wormburn. Well, I know Wormburn. Wormburn is just a low shot yeah. right across the ground. It's just really fast and hard. And basically you're gonna take the heads off of any worms if they stick their head yeah. out. Snake raker, bug hugger. Uh, doesn't have anything to do with Disney, but I, I'm running out of shit to. I'm running out of <laughs> golf lingo here. I, I can I can help you on the golf lingo. Um, but yeah, I, I like Disney. I think it's a great buy. Um, and, and like I said, we'll we'll give you give you a par. All right, six. Uh, let's see, six hole here. You're up, John. Who you got? Six hole. We're uh, we're going to an unknown gym, in my opinion, um, in the stock world. No one ever, no one ever looks at it. No one ever talks about it. Um, and and to make the golf comparison, comparison, the unknown gym I'm speaking of is, is Spyglass in the third hole. Um, when you think of like the sexiest holes over in Carmel, um, everyone goes to Cypress Point or, or uh, Monterey Peninsula or Pebble. But Spyglass is a phenomenal course, and the third hole is a phenomenal hole. Um, one of my favorite, um, also one of my favorite companies is Domino's Pizza. Um, I have owned Domino's for uh, probably about 13 years, um, maybe maybe 12. I bought it back in college um, when Domino's, and, and a lot of people don't know this, Domino's way back then was was a single digit priced company. 
and they completely revamped their entire way of delivering pizza to the masses and in doing so became absolute home run in terms of profitability. Um, I, I, it's, it's for people who haven't ordered pizza in a long time um, from Domino's, it's like Uber for pizza. Um, the ease in which doing it uh, back when I was back in college, I could be hung over as crap on a Sunday morning, roll over, open my laptop, go to dominoes.com. And next thing I know, I'm logged in 30 seconds later, I've ordered the current special and it's on its way. And I get to sit there and track the status of what's going on with my pizzas, with my order. Um, they, they streamlined this process and in doing so became immensely profitable. Um, I don't see that ever slowing down. I know a lot of analysts think the, the stock price of $418 is, is overpriced. Um, I've just, I've sat and watched Domino's pizza do nothing but go up and up and up and up over the years. And, uh, I do not, do not see that slowing. Um, one of the biggest things they have going for them is the international demand. Um, and that's going to drive, um, their, their, their store-based growth, um, and allow it to execute, um, into, to new areas, um, and I think that's going to be a huge, huge um, market of opportunity for them. Um, I, I, I really, I, I can't say, can't say enough good things about about Domino's. Um, I mean, now, now, even they've they have an app um, that, again, I mean, this is another story. We're on a dude's golfing weekend last weekend. Um, extremely drunk on Saturday night and me and my buddies all of a sudden were hungry. Next thing I know, I log into the Domino's app 25 minutes, 25 minutes later, there's pizza on our front doorstep. And it's just like the the ease in which you're able to, to, to get the product. That's, that's what I'm looking at. And that's, I I probably order it once a month. um, And this is just talking me personally. Um, There's, there's tons of other numbers that we can go into, um, but I, I'm keeping it simple in the sense that I, I see I see I see this company going to at least eight hundred dollars a share here in the next five years, oh, ten shit. years. Yep. Wow, man. 20, uh, 2016, 2.4 billion in revenue. So that was four. That was, and then twenty nineteen, three years later, they're three point six billion. So in three years, they increased the revenue by uh, one point two billion dollars just selling. Pizzas, seven dollar pizzas. You know? Exactly. It, it, it like, th- I mean, think think about think about when we were younger, the process in which it, it took to order a pizza. It was like calling, getting your order in. They f, f up your order. You don't know when. Well, hey, when do when are the pizzas getting here? Yeah. You know, I don't know. I ordered them thirty minutes ago. We have no. It, it when you when you streamline an entire business and you do something and you do it well, which they do, you just see this just intense growth and and they have gone that through that and and you're going to continue to see it i mean even even looking in the the contactless covid um era that that you know we're living in i mean if if that were to persist what is one of the easiest things to get a domino's pizza um if people want to continue continue to social distance and continue to um to be locked down i mean that's something that that a pandemic has not hurt at all. 
um, Domino's Pizza in what in the last few months it's gone from what 380 to 420. Um, the, the, the I, I, I can't tell you enough that the stock just keeps going up. And again, I mean, everything is cyclical in stocks. There's going to be there's going to be times when it's down. There's going to be times when um, people people are bearish on it and it's going the other way. Um, but but over the long period. I really do. In four, four, five, six years, you're you're going to see this thing over eight, eight hundred bucks as it dips into the international space, and they start to to really expand on the success that they've had um, here in the states. Yeah, it's a real chicken stick. <laughs> I, I I don't know that one either. <laughs> What's a chicken stick? The one club in your bag that you can always rely on. Hey, that's that. I mean, you hit that one on the head. It's it's a, it's a damn good chicken stick. <laughs> yeah, this was a uh, number three at Spyglass. Is that a par four? It's a par three um, downhill. You're up on this giant hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean. You get to see the fourth and fifth holes to your right. You got great panoramic views. Um, it, it's just when people talk about iconic par threes, they never even never talk about the third at Spyglass. Um, it's a phenomenal hole and. I mean, you could you could sit there and, and no one ever thinks that, oh, wait, you invested in Domino's Pizza. Is that a good stock? You know how many times people say that? And I'm sitting there going, you know what the stock price was in 2007? It was like $6. Yeah. It's now $420. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, whoa. I mean. Over $10. I don't see that slowing down. Share. Over $10 yeah. in earnings per share last year. That's pretty good. Yep. All right, I'm going to give you a birdie. Give you a birdie on that one. Boom. Boom. Yeah. All right. So next up we have hole number seven. Uh, so for Ford, I got a par. Amazon, you got a bogey. Peloton, yeah. I got a, I got a, uh, I got a birdie. Boeing gave you a par. Disney, I got a birdie. Uh, Domino's Pizza, you get a birdie. And next up for hole number seven, I chose a little bit of a different. A little, bit, little, little different route here. I went with GLD, uh, which is a gold ETF. And a couple of things that are, I really like about this ETF. If you're going to be invested in gold, this is, I think, the way to do it. Um, they actually take possession of the gold bars. And they store them in a vault in London. That's important. And I don't know if you, John, I don't know if you saw what happened to USO a couple of months ago when the price of oil went down to like negative $40 for a day or two. But USO mm -hmm. is an ETF that tracks the oil market. And they obviously, it, it's, you know, a barrel of oil is a lot bigger than a bar of gold. So they're not taking physical delivery of the product. And typically when a, so an ETF like USO buys futures contracts on oil. And mm -hmm. In gold and a lot of times in oil, the, the futures contract curve is upward sloping. So it is more expensive. You know, the, the price of oil today may be $40 a barrel, but I can buy a futures contract for three months from now. That's $55 a barrel and lock yeah. in my price, right? So the way that these ETFs do it, and for USO, uh, they're in the front month contract. And in order to not take possession, they have to close out the futures contract before, uh, before it expires. So they have yeah. to, you know, if we were long, we have to go short, right? We got to sell the futures contract yeah. into the market. 
and then go out and buy the next month's futures contract because we've got to we got to stay invested. We can't just have the money sitting in cash. And when yep. the next month's futures contract costs more money than this month's, it's called being in contango. There's something that that interest carry it eats away your principal, right? So I, I have this contract at forty dollars. Next month's at forty five. I lose five bucks when I roll my futures contract over. And if you're doing that in commodities, it can get really expensive really quick and just totally crush your principal. GLD doesn't do that. And they actually, they track the spot price of gold. They own, they physically own the gold. They got that going for them. They're up 27.5% year to date. And the reason that I'm, I'm so bullish on this uh, is because of the Fed's response to COVID and the massive amount of digital money creation that has gone on over the last three or four months. Uh, I think the Fed is, the Fed's balance sheet has expanded from 3.9 trillion in mid-March to 6.1 trillion uh, in mid-June. So 2.1, 2.2 trillion dollars just created out of thin air. They're loaning money to banks, they're loaning money to, to uh, you know, to their back, they're backing up muni bonds, they're buying corporate bonds, they're buying junk bonds. They may come in and start buying equities at some point. And so you got this, this massive push of money coming into the system. And it's not filtering to people like me and you. We only got 1200 bucks or whatever it was. But eventually it's, eventually it's got to trickle. It has to have a negative effect on the value of the dollar. As there's more dollars, your dollar becomes your individual dollar becomes less valuable the more of them there are. And gold is a historical hedge against inflation and against the decline in the dollar. Uh, on top of that, you have this, this rise of, uh, of younger politicians pushing something called modern monetary theory, which is just saying that the, the government can continue to run at massive fiscal and monetary deficits as long as people keep buying the buying our debt. And I think eventually we're going to get to that point where it's just, it's a free for all and the, and the, the printer is just going 100% of the time. So I think over the next decade, this is the commodity that you want to own. And I think that this is the way to do it uh, through a ETF that actually takes physical possession of the gold instead of buying futures contracts. I think the, the only downside is Entry point, right? It's something that we talked about at the uh, at the beginning with Ford. Gold hit an all time high. I think last week or two weeks ago, it cracked two thousand. It's kind of you know falling back to about nineteen fifty uh, per ounce right now. But I don't think it matters. I think if you buy this ten years from now, you're going to be very very happy uh, with your investment. And I know it doesn't pay di dividends. I'm not saying put your whole portfolio in here, but this is definitely um, for me and, and for the you know, for the, from, for my portfolios, I'm at least five to 10% in every one of them into GLD. And I would be, you know, I'd be happy to buy it today. And I think 1950 an ounce, great. It's going to keep going higher. Um, and as we haven't really had the effects of all this monetary printing money creation, it hasn't really hit yet. We don't, we still don't have consumer price inflation. We still haven't got um, you know, other countries. We, we haven't had them downgrade our debt. 
You know, it's we're still the, uh, you, you know, the dollar is still the world's reserve currency. And I think a lot of that is going to come under pressure over the next decade. So there's my pitch. Uh, I, so this is actually just, you know, funny side story here. I was really interested of what really interested to hear what you were going to say on, on GLD. Um, when I, when I left Morgan Stanley, I actually came over and I'm a commodities broker. Um, and so I broker gasoline and, you know, side story for your listeners too. when when they're looking at those futures contracts and a barrel of oil is just now it's, it's a unit of measurement too. Um, you know, there's no, there's no physical exchange of, you know, barrels of oil. It's just, you know, pumping of 42,000 gallons going from, you know, from the seller to the buyer, um, and being pumped down the pipeline. And so, like you said, so those companies just got absolutely barreled over, um, when, when those futures contracts, uh, were basically in the negative. Um, and that's why you saw that just giant drop in price from USO. I, I actually... I love where your your thoughts are on, on gold and the physical ownership of it. Um, and like you said, I mean, to, to, to put it in terms of golf, it's, it's a boring par four. It's a boring par four that every single course has. Um, you're going to play it. You're going to hit a good drive, put it on the green, um, two putt, make your par or your sink your putt, make your birdie. Um, but, but every single, every single course has, has these types of holes, just like you're saying, every single portfolio should have, have their, their commodities, um, in it. And, and I, I love, I love, you know, like you said, 10% might be a little high for my liking. Um, but five, five, six, seven, um, especially if you're not going to put anything into, um, into any other commodities like real estate or, or anything else, uh, I could see, see a higher percentage, but I'm actually going to give you a birdie on that one. I, I thought I thought I thought it was a very very good breakdown, very good sale sell on it, um, and I'm actually going to go take take more of a harder look at GLD, um, and and I really 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 like the pitch. All right, thank you, sir. Next up, eighth hole. This hole is your eight. Last uh, your last hole here. Yeah, I'm saving I'm saving the best for last on this one. Ah, uh, hole eight. Um, this this hole is I'm, I'm going to compare it. We're we're playing the 16th at the waste management. If you ever oh, yeah. have yeah. you have you ever did you best hole in golf? Um, it, it's it not only that the style in which they conduct themselves um, on the 16th hole is not what is the norm when it comes to um when it comes to golf and and but but people love it and it's here to stay um and, and um, we're, we're playing we're, we're right now we're looking at DraftKings stock um i think uh there's so much to like about DraftKings, um and, and we'll get into some more numbers um here in a second but let, let me just give you give you like a comparison or let me let me break down what this company does. Um, I mean, it, it's it's essentially it's daily fantasy. Um, the amount of users that they have continues to grow month by month. Um, the overhead for running the company is almost next to nothing. They, they run a website. They run um, an app. Um, both are flawlessly run. Never, never, never crash. I think they have about a thousand employees. Um, I think it's actually 998. Um, 
and this this company just prints money. That's all it does. It prints money. And to, to break down exactly what they do is they create daily contests that people people buy entries into. And, and to give you an example of one of these is this past weekend's $25 entry into the PGA Championship where the winner makes $500,000. They're collecting $1.83 million in fees. They're paying out $1.55. And that's one contest, one $25 contest. They have hundreds of these contests every single weekend for PGA. They took in 1.3 million and paid out 1.5. That doesn't sound sustainable. No, no, no. Took in 1.83. Okay, gotcha. Took in 1.83 million in fees and paid out 1.5. And and this is this is one contest in one sport. Um, I mean, they they are over the last few few months they're running PGA tour tour that they're seeing higher volumes than what what has previously been seen. Um, UFC was three times higher than previous month's records. Um, MLB was also three times higher in the first first two weeks back than it was in the 2019 season. Um, NHL, NBA, you name it. I mean, this this company was succeeding during the pandemic and getting people to log in and play picking, esports, picking teams in esports, Korean I mean, baseball. It was ridiculous, Korean baseball, yeah. and and and. This is just one little, this is just one big slice of what they're doing. I mean, their 2020 forecast already raised from 501 million to 529 million. Their 2021 expected, they bumped it up from 732 to 748. Um, and, and this is all before all these states start to legalize gambling. Um, for instance, I, I have family that lives up in New Jersey. He doesn't need a bookie anymore. He goes on to his DraftKings app and he can make a wager. Not only that, I mean, the 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 paying out is one of the, the easiest things ever. Like when you go to all these old like gambling websites to get money out, they made you do all this retarded crap to verify your identity. Um, it was it was I mean, you had to produce all these different bills to prove who you were, where you lived. I mean, it was basically this huge ploy to keep your money. It's like, screw it. I'm not going through this headache. I'm going to keep it in. DraftKings, when you want your money, they give it to you. It's like within 30 minutes. That's all of a sudden it's in your PayPal account. Uh, so that that's just breaking down the ease in which the money can come in and out. Uh, another funny side story. Um, one of my buddies, he actually won the million dollar contest at the U.S. Open in 2016. Um, and he partied so hard that night. Um, the next morning, when when DraftKings was looking for his banking and routing number, he was a little little foggy in the head. Gave him the wrong routing number for the million dollars to be sent to him. <laughs> they had to call him back to say uh, that was that the wire did not go through. The million dollars got rejected. And he goes, "Here, wait. Let me let me make sure the routing number was correct." <laughs> So I mean, like, I, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, sitting there saying to, to, ploy people to play DraftKings. I'm a DraftKings player myself. I have lots of friends who, who are, yeah. as well. But um, FanDuel. So it's it's similar to FanDuel. I think DraftKings has a better platform for it, um, and it's 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 run better. Um, a better and tech, like easier they, interface. Yeah, I, I, you know, sometimes it's personal preference on on yeah. what I, I just. More people, more people I talk to, it's all DraftKings. I, I do not know anybody who actually does play FanDuel. Um, and then the other, huh? Me neither. Yeah. 
it, 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 it's just, it's everyone just always plays DraftKings. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is as, as all these states start to legalize gambling, sports gambling, which we are in the process of rapidly moving towards that, they have now created the platform that will allow them to be very successful when that happens. Um, and if you don't think people enjoy, you know, gambling or sports gambling, then, you know, clearly you've never been to Vegas and see how extravagant and lavish they've built all their buildings out there. Right. Um, I think they, they will, they will be highly successful when that happens. Um, and, uh, I'm, I've, I bought DraftKings, you know, very, very soon after, um, the IPO. I'm, I'm one of these people. I don't, I don't love buying stocks right when it IPOs. Cause I think there's going to be turbulence right after, right after it, it, um, debuts. Um, and usually I think probably about six to eight months. That's kind of just a, a general rule of thumb for, for buying after an IPO in my opinion. But I, I said, I said, screw that. I'm, I'm getting in cause I'm just a believer in, in what they're doing and, and, and the product that they're bringing to people. Um, and, and how it will just have exponential growth um, coming up. Yeah, and, and football coming up. We're gonna we're gonna at least have professional football. I don't know about college. Uh, basketball's back, right? So you're no longer gambling on esports and Korean baseball. You're actually getting the big boys coming to the table now. And even with all the shit that happened over the last four or five months with sports getting shut down, they still posted over seventy million dollars in revenue in the second yeah. quarter. It was ridiculous. It you know, was I mean, it's, fucking Joey Chestnut to win the hot dog competition. <laughs> exactly. Know? I mean, every single Sunday they 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 have a million dollar a million they call them milli makers. Every single Sunday during football season, it's seventeen Sundays, and then they also do them during the playoffs. So it's like it's legit like twenty four days where they're printing printing money. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. The overhead that they have is minimal. Um, when you look to the, you know, what their operating expenses are um, versus what their revenue is. And, they're, they're, and I just, they do have, so their, their operating expenses are in advertising. All these yeah. commercials, you know, they, it's costing them money, which is, which is part of their strategy, right? Is mm -hmm. for companies that are very early on in their life cycle, you want to acquire and build your brand as quickly as possible. Acquire as many customers as possible. And you're going to spend money to do that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you're going to be able to, to flip the switch. And all of a sudden you're the, you know, you're the leader in the, in the space and premier premier in the right. space. Right. So, yeah. I'm very, very bullish on this, uh, this stock as well. So, so is it, if this was a par three and you hit an ACE, would that be a albatross? That would be an Eagle. That'd be an Eagle. That would be an eagle. an eagle, an eagle, an eagle, an eagle. I like it. Well, and 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 you know what they do, and when they make hole in ones at the sixteenth hole, everyone throws their beer down on the golf course, and it's just a beer shower. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all having a beer shower right now. <laughs> all right, man. Well, let's uh, let's finish that up with uh, the ninth hole here. Let's go get zucked. Bring Facebook on. Look, man, this. Close Friday at 267 a share. Tra I was actually surprised to see this. Tra trailing 12-month price-to-earnings ratio of 32. To, uh, 32. 
which is actually 25% below their industry average. Um, projected earnings per share growth over the next three to five years of 17% per year. Last year, they had earnings per share of $6.43. Five years at 17% growth comes out to a 2025 EPS of $14.10 a share. That's pretty fucking good. Uh, gross margin, you, I mean, you talked about it doesn't cost them a lot to run the company. Facebook's gross margin is 89%. And, and like EBITDA margin, you know, all of their, you know, enter, enterprise value divided by X or Y, whatever it is, they're all well above industry average. Uh, and then, you know, long-term debt to equity over the last 12 months is only 9%. So they're not levered. They print, print money. Uh, and, they're going to continue to be able to, to do that. Part of that 17% projection in, in earnings per share growth is they're really just now kind of figuring out how to monetize WhatsApp and the Facebook Messenger app. And by the way, those are the two largest uh, messaging apps in the world. WhatsApp and, and is number one and, and Messenger is number two. They've, they're trying to turn WhatsApp into like the WeChat of India. You know, in, in China, everything is done. There's no cash anymore. Everything is done uh, on WeChat, the Alibaba's, I think it's Alibaba's payment system. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a messaging app. It's a payment thing. It's a banking thing. It's an investing thing. Facebook's doing that in India right now. And they've also recently opened up Facebook Messenger to developers uh, to create chatbots that will allow businesses to connect with customers through the app. So they're figuring out a way to monetize Messenger as well. Um, they've, they've had a couple of swings and misses, you know, they tried to launch a, you remember Facebook mirror, is that what it was called? But the, that big ass screen where it was, you know, it's just like FaceTime, but it was a massive computer screen that flopped. Um, and obviously, you know, it, it feels like twice a year, Zuckerberg is getting hauled in front of Congress to talk about what the fuck he's doing with your data, you know, selling your biometric data or whatever, the, you know, influencing elections. There's a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of things to not like. And I didn't invest in this company for a very long time because I, first of all, I don't, I don't use Facebook anymore. I got sick of them pimping out my, my data everywhere and I never got into Instagram. So I didn't use it. I didn't buy it. And I was wrong. Uh, you know, I, I let my personal bias get in the way of a, a a very good stock. Mm -hmm. And they, over the next 10 years, they're also uh, investing $30 billion into virtual reality and augmented reality. And uh, 2016, they bought this company called Oculus. So they're, they're doing the, the goggles, you know, the virtual mm -hmm. reality headsets, and which is, that's the next wave. And when 5G actually comes out and becomes kind of the standard, uh, that's really going to take off. It's, it's going to allow augmented reality, virtual reality apps and stuff to, to, uh, to flourish. And Facebook's going to be at the forefront of that. Yeah. They are very uh, dependent on advertising revenue. 98% of the revenue comes from advertising. So in times like COVID, when you got travel and auto industries basically paralyzed, they're not spending money on advertising. And then, you know, you also, can be pressured from a boycott where you had all these companies come out and say, you know, Nike, Starbucks, they're not going to advertise on Facebook anymore. By the way, Nike, it's fucking hilarious that you're throwing up a moral stance to Facebook <laughs> when you're using slave labor in Indonesia and shit like that. 
Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it, uh, and, and the, the, the whole boycott thing, in my opinion, I, I, I don't pay attention to boycotts, especially in terms of stock prices, especially yeah. in terms of a dominant company uh, like like Facebook. I remember I had I had somebody text me. It was like, dude, why are we not shorting Facebook? And I said, because I'm not an idiot. Yeah. Like, wait, 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 wait. You, you think I'm going to short a company that could literally go to the moon? Like, you know, not literally. I mean, like figuratively keep firing up. Uh, I'm just not going to to short a company that does that. I mean, you're sitting there talking about the advertising dollars. Yeah, but I mean, it's the leading internet advertising company. It's the dominant social networking company. Um, I don't know, didn't mean to interrupt you, but but Facebook is not going anywhere. Facebook is is here to stay for the long haul. Um, earnings per share continues to grow. Um, you, you know the the ability to keep growing their advertising and, and, and growth opportunities. That's continuing to grow. Um, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Facebook, Facebook, I mean, I called it when Facebook was at a hundred dollars. We were saying Facebook will eventually be at $300. Um, I remember some of these old timers who just refused to invest in a bunch of those fang stocks as mm-hmm. we used to call them. Um, They're just like you know, Facebook. What, like what, what is Facebook? And, just like no, you have to be invested in Facebook. And and when I told these people it was going to go to three hundred dollars, they thought I was crazy. And when Facebook goes to five hundred dollars, someone might on the other line be like, "You're crazy," but it eventually will get there. Yeah, that'll be the next rotation. You know, the next meme thing. It's, right now, it's Tesla and Apple. Well, Zuckerberg is a business genius. I mean, the the ability to acquire Instagram and then monetize it. Um, and do it in ways that it doesn't drive away consumers, users. Um, I mean, you, you look at some of these tech CEOs that have just fallen flat on their face in terms of, of monetizing things that like how, how Twitter hasn't been able to turn into a monster dumbfounds me. Like the, the amount of daily users Twitter has and, and they can't monetize it is, is ridiculous to me. Um, the guy who turned down $10 million for Snapchat thinking he was going to have another monster on his hand and, and he fell flat on his face trying to monetize it. Um, I, I think that's when you go back to, to leadership um, and who's guiding the ship um, of Facebook. And, and I, I, don't, I don't see that, that faltering any, anytime soon. 2019 revenue for Facebook, $70.7 billion. 2019 revenue for Twitter, $3.4 billion. Yeah. Pretty big gulf. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I would I would then be interested to look up what the daily active users are on those two. Because I, I would probably venture that they're they're around the same. Um, that is just me, me making a guess. Um, I think, I think active daily Twitter users are like in the United States, it's like 20 million maybe. Well, I did read today. Facebook has 2.5 billion monthly active users. I don't know about daily. Um, and then in February of last year, Twitter said that it's, it has 126 million daily users. There you go. Yeah. Around the world. 100, 126 million daily users, and that company can't figure out a way to monetize that. I mean, that that 
that kind of just shows you everything you need to know about the leadership of Facebook and, and their ability to squash every, yeah. you know, the, the Instagram has launched basically TikTok now. Yeah. Uh, and if TikTok really is forced to shut down, guess where all those people are going? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they, they, Instagram stories, they're like, right, yeah. Snapchat. They, they killed Snapchat. Killed yeah. Snapchat. Yeah. We, we see your tech and we raise you. Yeah. You know. Anyway, if I had to get, if I had to grade myself on that, uh, on the ninth hole, I think I'd give myself a bogey. You know, I just ran out of steam. It's hot outside. You're just looking forward to making the turn, getting to the clubhouse, getting a hot dog. Didn't really get it. See, that, that, that's that's what I love about golf. It's it's about self evaluation um, and and learning to be better. See, I, I give you a birdie. I think All I right. think it was I think it was a good breakdown um, of a great company. Um, no, I think I think you did a good job and, and you finished strong. Now we get to go to the turn and get some beers. Yes, sir. Uh, John, this was a pleasure. We're going to have you back on in a couple of weeks to do the back nine, and we'll figure out how to play those um, and what, what, what makes the most sense, whether or not we should find nine companies that we don't believe in. And, you know, if people are – we'll see if we get any feedback on this. If people are like, all right, well, you just told us nine companies that you would buy. Uh, you know, maybe we have to, to do a little bit more work next time on the back nine. Uh, we, we'd hate to have a chili dip. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chili, chili dips are no good. You got you to gotta commit to the chip and follow through with your wrist. Stiff wrist through. No, you don't want a chili dip. It. It's, yeah. it's hitting it fat, stubbing a chip. Don't want a barky. I don't want a breakfast ball. Let's see what else. Uh, you, you, you always want a breakfast ball. You want a breakfast ball off the first tee every single time. If you're playing golf with someone who doesn't give you a breakfast ball, you need to stop playing golf with them. <laughs> oh, that's a good thing. I didn't know that. So, oh, yeah. Breakfast breakfast ball means you get two two balls off the first tee. Yeah. It's the most important meal of the day for many golfers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, John, thank absolutely. you very much. This was a lot of fun. You know it. I appreciate you having me on and um, uh, looking, forward to, looking forward to doing it again and, and going from there. Close.